Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Josh Brown, it's okay. 2022 is saved because there's video games again. Yay! Yay! Only one of them, though. Don't get too carried away. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what else even happens across the summer because there's more press stuff to come. But Sniper Elite 5 came out this last week. Me and you played it for collectively about 20 minutes. <laughs> but it's new, isn't it? It's a new thing. And it certainly is new. Is it good? I'm not sure. No, I was... Okay, I will preface everything that we're about to say by saying this is the wind-up. I'm Scott Tilford. You're Josh Brown. Good morning, Scott Tilford. Where we argue about all sorts of things or just step people up for the week. Wind them up, you might say, for whatever's going to happen in the rest of the gaming week. Um, and we're going to start with a breakdown of the things that we've been playing. Now, 2022 is a very empty year, which is why I keep celebrating the occasional new release that turns heads, even if it's not that brilliant once you actually dive into it. So, speaking of which, Sniper Elite 5. Now, I love Sniper Elite. I've been with it since the beginning. Love Sniper Elite 4. I thought that was the best one. Um, but they borrowed quite a lot from Phantom Pain. It was sort of had that sandbox feeling of just lots of uh, way more gadgetry and way more playing with the AI and way more sort of setting up traps and everything else and I just thought that considering how naff Sniper Elite 3 was it was a major return to form and an elevation of what came before which is to say that Sniper Elite 5 isn't scratching that same itch at all. They've right. kind of gone back to um, what the original ones were like, which were a lot more methodical, a lot more feeling like PC games coming across to consoles, um, and just not... As you know, it's it's. I imagine it's a major win for the people who loved like, Sniper Elite 1 and V2, but for me, I liked how much 4 just went. Like The 4 was the one I played the most of, other than, I guess, 2. Um, but how did you find it? Because I think this was your first sniper. Oh no, first uh, since three. First since three. Yeah, well, I've got like a lot of caveats for my takes. Mm. Obviously, take this with something of a pinch of salt because mm-hmm. I've only played the opening hour, and right. the last game I played was Sniper Elite Three, which I wasn't a fan of. No. That was a game that my friend brought over to my house and was like, "Look, Josh, you need to play this game. <laughs> Shoot these nuts, Josh. <laughs> yeah, you love stealth games. You love shooting people in the bollocks with X-ray vision." <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, this ticks all my boxes." And I couldn't get away with it. No. I found it a bit clunky. I found it like you said, um, too methodical for my tastes. Mm. I didn't think that when you were forced to improvise, the improvisation felt good. And going across to this game, I really wanted to love it because I knew you were a big champion of four. Mm. I love the Phantom Pain. Like I said, I love stealth games and I was hoping for this to knock me away and it just it just didn't, man. <laughs> and that's partly because it's just like way clunkier than I wanted it to be. Right. I know this isn't like a game like Horizon or Uncharted or anything like that. It mm. doesn't have that same level of production value. But still, while it was sat satisfying to score those x-ray kills Mm. i found it 
somewhat lacking. But again, I'm really early on. It might get better. I thought graphically it looked really good. The presentation mm. absolutely got me in. Like just the animation of the guy holding the silenced pistol reminded right. me of Splinter Cell Conviction or even like an early Siphon Filter game, <laughs> which I am I am totally, totally here for. But yeah, there was, there was something in that hour that wasn't clicking with me. No, I think it's the same thing. I mean, like it's interesting because there is such a gap in the industry right now for a decent stealth game. I mean, like even try and name any from the last few years. It's like a plague tale. That's, there's yeah, there's yeah. hardly anything. Hitman, I guess. Um, but they're sort of like you know, these big over-the-top levels as opposed to something a bit more um, character-focused or ability-focused like Splinter Cell. But the thing with this is, it just, like you said, it feels a bit clunky. And I think, I don't know if this is just a bug, but I was playing on Series X and the sensitivity on the aiming was ridiculous. Right. And it was like, I just touched the stick a little bit and then I was way off to looking all the way to the side and I was like, what is this? It feels like it hasn't been ported properly or something. Maybe that'll get patched or whatever. And that is the most minuscule thing. But it meant that my initial interactions with this game, alongside the fact that I thought the uh, mission design and just what you were getting up to wasn't as immediately engaging as um, Sniper Elite 4, um, just felt quite clunky. And like I said, it feels like that original uh, run of games across the 2000s that were on PC first and then came to console. Some of my favorite games of all time, like The Suffering and various games, the um, the way the, ca the camera controls, it's we hadn't hit that point, like you said, with the likes of Uncharted or the games that came out in the 2010s, where they felt like uh, premium console games. Um, it's it's sort of just like, you know, games that were built for PC and then brought across. It's a weird thing to describe, but I think if you play those games, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and in Sniper Elite 5's case, it just had that, yeah, just like a level of, like, it's fighting me to enjoy it. Like, I'm moving my character, I'm trying to set up these different kills, um, but it, nothing's very fluid. And they've added things that you can sort of latch onto vines and get better vantage points. Um, and you can sort of, you know, go, go, go and do a Sniper Elite. Like, it is the fifth main installment. Yeah. Um, but I just was kind of just fighting it to, to just have fun and I thought 4 was so fluid um, that this felt like a step back. I think that's a great um, way to put it. You, you, I, I also felt like I was fighting you know, the controls mm. and the enemy layouts to kind mm. of enjoy the game. Mm -hmm. I think the level design from the scanned few areas that I've played is really good mm -hmm. in terms of how broad it is, how many avenues you have to uh, get to the objectives and how many mini objectives are in right. those kind of open spaces as well. You know, you can overhear conversations to get some intel to go and do X or mm. find a satchel charge to go and do Y and stuff. And that was really cool. That made me more engaged in the actual moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. But mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, there was just that um, disconnect between me and the set and mechanics that I had. And also, I, I guess I, maybe I just over-egged it because like I said, you know, I was going into this really thinking it was going to be my jam. I was like, mm. yes. Like, was I was bigging up Sniper Elite 4 a lot, which I will still big up. I was like, okay, these big open levels, you know, great stealth. And of course, it's a World War II tale, which I normally <laughs> just lap up. But right. it does also the thing with its main character that um, Wolfenstein, the older games especially, tried to do where you're mm. this kind of, you're this gruff, you know, archetypal Nazi killing dude. <laughs> and when we started doing that dialogue in this game as well, that also checked me out a little bit. I'm right, sure a lot right. of people would like that. Mm. But for me, it felt like so uh, BJ Blazkowicz in a lot I of ways. That's really funny is that I feel like they've struggled with how their tone should be across the franchise. Like, they right. started being super gritty, the original Sniper Elite, um, sorry, super realistic, and it was all about, like, you know, make sure you check in uh, wind resistance and bullet drop and make sure you're nailing these headshots, and it's it was way about, you know, you weren't firing off the rifle as frequently as you are now, um, and then over time, um, they sort of got more over the top. The character that's in this one is the same dude that was in 4, and I think 3, but I could be wrong. It's Carl Fairburn so. who was in 4. Um, and so, yeah, they've kind of settled on this guy that is a bit more BJ adjacent because you do 
do have the over-the-top kills. You have all this gore that's going on, brains getting splattered, nads being shot off, and they've kind of like lent into that stuff. Like the fact that you could shoot someone's bollocks was like a secret in, in Sniper Elite, I think it was in 2 or whatever, yeah. um, where people realized you could do that, whereas that's almost become the tone now. And like Sniper Elite 3, I think it was, had Charlie Brooker DLC where he turned up as like, um, he, like Hitler was in there and he was like Hitler's bodyguard. and like they, Charlie Brooker, really? Charlie Bro- yeah, Channel that's 4's Charlie Brooker. Insane. Is in Sniper Elite DLC. And like, so they've, you know, they've lent into that. And if you want to shoot Hitler in the bollocks, he's only got one ball. So they've got all that stuff. Um, and it's kind of landed in this place where now it's like, let's do another Sniper Elite. It's, they're trying to satisfy the old school fans, make it a bit more methodical, make it so you're picking your shots a bit more, but also try and keep the pace up and try and match where we were with four. And for me, it just lands in a weird way. It's like, it's not saying it's not recommendable. I think if you like the franchise, you should check it out. It's just an interesting balance of, like I said, if you take it as an entire franchise, where they've landed now. Um, I always loved all the stuff with wind resistance and bullet drop and nailing the headshots. Yeah. Um, but there's a very, it's a very specific level layout that means that you're picking your shots in that way, which is one of the things that three got wrong because it was all about, um, you know, activating like a car engine or, an, or a generator and then trying to hide your shot. And it just didn't really like line up very much because trying to like mask the sound of it and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting. It's on, um, Xbox Game Pass at the minute, so that's how we both checked it out. Um, but I feel like it's just being not talked about. Like, no. Amongst all the conversation around people abandoning Game Pass, I was like, well, there is a AAA game right here, or there is a brand new game right yeah, here. Yeah, totally. And I didn't want to look into the reviews in too much depth They're to really sway positive. my opinion either way, but mm. yeah, there were like so many 9s out of 10s that I saw. I know there were some 6s out of 10s as well, so it seems like <laughs> a strangely divisive game, maybe mm. because of what you were saying there with <clears throat> a lot of different um, Sniper Elite fans wanting maybe slightly different things. Yeah. Some wanting to go back to the... Uh, classic style of gameplay. And you can do that in the difficulty options, I should say that. Yes, yeah, that is true, to be fair. I didn't know what to pick for those. I just went straight down the middle. Normally, I would go more like wind resistance and what have you to get that kind of more (laughs) authentic sniper experience, Uh I guess. But uh, yeah, I just uh, kind of, I couldn't get away with it, man. The thing is, uh, we'll we'll move on from this in a sec, but they they have done a cool thing where other players can invade your game and they've tried to bring in like that sort of dynamic Soulsian multiplayer where like you are sort of sneaking through somewhere and you can turn it off, but like, you know, someone else can invade your game and then you're dealing with them and you're all of a sudden thrown into what I loved in the, I think it's multiplayer in the original game, might have been into, um, but just having like sniper battles. Like it's like uh, when you fight the end of Metal Gear Solid 3 right. or um, Enemy at the Gates of the movie or whatever, where you're just looking for like the glints of someone's scope as you're both on opposite sides of a huge map and um, picking your shots. And like that can be really intense and really cool. And one of my favorite multiplayer uh, memories is of Sniper Elite, like doing that because that, especially if you turn up the difficulty, is all about like wind drop and, and, and you know, all that, all those, um, you know, how wind affects the bullet trajectory and everything. So when you finally nail that shot, it feels great. And they've tried to do a bit of that dynamically in five, but um, obviously it depends on how active the player pool is, whether that's going to happen or whether it just messes up your stealth infiltration because you're in the middle of something and then someone comes in like Deathloop did. And so like, I think it's a hard balance, but the idea of, uh, you know, pristine, like, well-regimented um, snipers going off against each other is a really cool thing. Yeah, it's it an interesting, like, together like you said, especially in the multiplayer space, mm. like, that is really cool. Mm. Honestly, overall, it's just made me want to play Siphon Filter on the PlayStation Plus collection. <laughs> like, I don't with know why. With trophies, no less. With trophies, no less. I don't know why you got such a Siphon Filter vibe from it. I think it was Ooh. just kind of the archetypal gruffness of the character alongside with some of the animations. I was just kind of like, this, this reminds me of something else that I want to be playing <laughs> on a different console right now. 
we should very quickly dip into that stuff. What did, what did you think of um, the way they've rolled those things out? Because a lot of the weekend was spent with um, you know the PlayStation Plus premium service being shown off from Asian territories and showing like the features that the old games are going to have, like rewinding stuff um, and different save states. And I saw a lot of people, which are justifiable. If you grew up with these 60 frames a second version of these games, you'll be distraught to find that they're all the 50 frames a second versions. They're all the PAL ones. Yeah. But everyone in the UK like us is completely fine because we never knew any different. That's it. And, and to be honest, right? I mm. mean, unless you're like the diehard of the diehard. I don't know. This might be my ignorance speaking. <laughs> but how much would you actually notice the difference, especially from your memory of these games? Because when I think about like Crash Bandicoot mm-hmm. from back in the day, I it view is it, slow anyway. It is well, yeah, it is slow anyway. It is kind of jittery anyway. And I also I always upscale it in my brain. Right, so right. how does the reality of that actually well, mesh with my memory? I don't know. The thing is, when I got the PlayStation Classic and I played Tekken Three, for me that was perfect because that's the Tekken Three that I remember. I know Tekken Two is what's going to be on the premium service initially, but I did um, or I do have Tekken Three on my phone, which is like an emulated one, and that thing is in sixty FPS, and that that is a huge difference. Like it is like oh my god, this just goes in a way that I didn't even realize. Right. So I get that if that's what you're accustomed to, um, that maybe it's akin to going from sixty frames to thirty frames and that feeling. Um, but I guess we'll see if they, if they if they're completely stable thirty. Then as I've come to realize, that's not too bad. Yes. Um, I think the thing that is super noticeable and um, that pulls you out of a game is when it's fluctuating between like twenty between twenty five and thirty. Um, that feels worse than just a steady thirty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like in terms of um, the way that that service is going down, um, I guess we'll find out more as the other territories open up. But I think it's interesting. It looks, yeah, totally. I don't know if we have talked about on any of our podcasts the oh, yeah. the lineup like the proper lineup that leaked from mm. the Asian territories, you know, of PlayStation Plus games. I yes. don't think we've... Maybe, I, don't I don't think, think so. I'm blanking it. on what we did last so week, I. to be honest. Well, we did the PlayStation Plus one before then, but that was just the mm. first slew of games. That yes. wasn't everything. We definitely haven't talked since. about Mr. Driller and we Tekken 2. We certainly all have that. not. But all that stuff, like, I think it's good. Like, it's not right. a Game Pass beta, but no. it's a solid lineup, IMO, especially if you like the new games. Mm. And yes, they could do more with the upscaling, absolutely. But it's it's fine. And I know a lot of people will be disappointed with just fine. But for me, just <laughs> fine is, is still good. It's still a net they- positive. They have such a marketing optics problem where, like, they are not communicating any of this at all. Like, the fact that we had to pick up on what's out there from the Asian territories rather than them putting adverts out or yeah. a YouTube video or a walkthrough or anything is dumb as hell. Because um, I think what they're going to do, which is brilliant, is give these games their day in the sun across the coming months. Like, they'll do Soul Reaver, Tekken 3, whatever, and, and, and announce that on social media and do what Nintendo do. Like, you know, when they go, hey, by the way, Banjo's coming, Banjo-Kazooie's coming to the Switch online service, and they get that social media burst. I have to imagine that's their plan. But when they're not saying that and they're just going hey give us more because it's more expensive than game pass give us more money for mr driller in tekken 2 that's ludicrous and it's like can you guys not just clarify what the hell's gonna happen with this thing i know what you mean there does need to be way more way more of a marketing push Mm. just in general like Mm. i think sony just generally actually just across the board never mind needs more of a these are bigger marketing they do a blog post and then what have you there's like a state of play that everyone gets wrong anyway yeah and then shuhi yoshida's like it's not gonna be exclusives and it's like it's just gonna be vr and, and, and again, like, I am all, I keep saying that out loud, I need to stop <laughs> Emo. it. That needs to be Emo. retained to the DMs. You and do have slam dunk on the horizon, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I do have slam dunk <laughs> on the horizon. I'm getting my pop punk hat on already, my friend. Uh, nails painted, <laughs> got like and Cambria. shorts on there. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, PlayStation. Yes, yes. they. I, I think it's fine. Like, I do think what they've announced and how they're announcing it is okay, but because it's PlayStation, you're expecting it to be, you know, far better. Why wouldn't than they? It is right now. Yeah. Why wouldn't they nail this? Yeah. Why are they just sitting back and well, we've got a blog post and it's out in one of the territories? 
fill your boots. Like, I just think it's terrible. Like, I just, mm. If I'm Mr. Sony, why am I not capitalizing on this? Yes. Like, you have the return of PlayStation games on a PS5, and you're barely talking about it. Hopefully, hopefully we see more over the next mm. month. Hopefully. Speaking of seeing more, and I can barely segue into this, but you returned to GTA Online over oh. the weekend. And the string oh. of messages I got for you, this is the most um, Nirvana-like Josh I've ever I've ever encountered. You, was, you were taken to another place. I had an emotional, a genuinely emotional <laughs> experience going back to GTA Online. I hadn't signed in on that thing since 2018. Right. And going back to it oh, on God. the upscaled um, you know, PS5 version mm. just made me realize how much a part of my life this game right, right. has been and how it has been with me for nine years years now like <laughs> i you know I, I i feel like i get about quite a bit you know i i feel like i do a lot of social things mm. in real life so it makes it even more impressive to me that some of my life memories have been on gta online right some okay of the best bonding moments with my friends have happened <laughs> on this game like mm-hmm. you can chart the past 10 years of my life uh, on this game and it hits me like you know when you haven't heard a song in a long time oh, yeah, and you're yeah. instantly transported played back. a Sonic game in a while. played a Sonic game in a while. I jumped into GTA Online and I was thinking these are the streets I grew <laughs> up on in a lot of ways. This is the, the the apartment that I've been in for 10 years of my life. It's mm. all virtual but I just got this um, like feeling of returning home and that sounds so lame in no? saccharin but it was so real and it, it made me emotional getting the radio back on, seeing the things that had changed, the radio stations and the songs that had come in, but then appreciating what um, was still there that I loved from the time. And knowing how much you've done since then, like as a person. I genuinely think, I don't know if there'll be a term for this over time, but I feel like a lot of people, and me and us included, are having these sort of like returning to pre-COVID energies that they need a term for because I had this with Sonic and it's, it's weird because I've had this a couple times. I had it once a few years ago where um, I listened to the Tekken Tag soundtrack and I flashed right back to like 2000 to get him my PS2 and I was like, man, I've I've come a long way in the last like 18 years yeah. or whatever it was. And then, yeah, I had the same thing that you did with GTA where I was, uh, after the Sonic 2 movie, I played the old Sonics and I was like, man, it's been a while since like I went through Sonic 2 and I was like thinking about what it was like when I was a kid and like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you have this sort of like come to Jesus moment or whatever the hell you want to call it where you're just like, no, life has happened life like, has happened life has friend. happened and like it's a weird thing like covid really made you step back anyway and reassess like what your needs and wants and worths were but when you go back to something now on the other side of it having gone through all that stuff there is a weird sort of like man i i remember this like Absolutely. style energy yeah in gta online for me took that to another level because obviously gta online mm. is a living and breathing world like that <laughs> game didn't stop when i logged out of no, it. you know that true. game has continued to evolve and change so when i went back it genuinely felt like revisiting my parents' house or going back to my hometown and mm. walking through the streets and seeing, you know, the school I went to that's been knocked down and changed, you know. It's the same, but it's different. Yeah, yeah. And it conjures up memories of the past. It makes you reflect on where you are now. Mm. And I was like, how has this happened <laughs> in the span of five minutes? Like, it's I, just, it, 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 it kind of made me, it reminded me that um, these living and breathing live service games can be special when they're done right, to be honest. You know, so many of them are done wrong, but if they're a conduit for connection in a lot of ways, for that kind of community between either you and your friends or you and complete strangers, you create those memories, man. It creates a sense of space and time that you belong to for a little bit. And revisiting that when you're older 
does the exact same thing to your brain that revisiting an older album does or revisiting an older location, mm. like I mentioned, with your hometown and stuff. It's it's mad. Well, you literally, you're living in that space. I think that, because it's weird, I, every now and then, because I don't play Fortnite. I did when it first came out. Did it first, I don't know, played for like a year, whatever it was, that initial boom when everyone was playing it before yeah. it sort of fractured off. But I occasionally think, I look at the amount of events they do and all the weird shared things that they do. And I'll watch some YouTube videos of that stuff to try and keep up with it. The kids that are playing that, the teenagers, whoever are loving Fortnite are going to have the best conversations like this in like 10 or 15 years time like I already like think about what that'll be like for them and um, the next generation of gamers going oh my god remember when we did that shared thing when Thanos invaded our game or whatever it was yeah like those things are incredible and like you said it, it is interesting because we tend to like you know romanticize and talk about nostalgia in terms of like old school games and things that we grew up with whether it's Metal Gear Solid or Tekken or whatever but there's a whole other thing for a game that like lived alongside you for a certain period um, and I think that's just fascinating like when No Man's Sky came out like I, I keep dipping into that I've nearly always got it in Installed. And obviously they're up, uh, updating it tons at the minute. Um, but when that game came out, obviously the amount of planets that were in there, it was just sort of a, a go explore game. It's like a photography game. And I, I've always loved No Man's Sky. But one of the things that people were doing um, in there was, because you can name a planet and name all the flora and fauna that are on that planet, people were using um, uh, that whole system to create like memorial planets to like loved ones and stuff. And like I'd made a few, I'd made like my one of my grandparents a planet. I was like things that they're into and they loved and I'd named the planet after them. And I was like, that's just off in the cosmos somewhere for someone else to land on and be like, oh, what's this name? And all these that. different things. And then I didn't play No Man's Sky for a few years. And after they did that, well, about a year. And they did that um, that big update that was like No Man's Sky Next. So I went back on and I had a similar thing where I was like, oh my God, like I lived here for a while. I named these planets. I made this base and I did all these different things. And so I think, yeah, I think overall, like we have this connection to nostalgia and set games with set release dates. But you're absolutely right that like something that can live alongside you has a a whole other thing that we barely talk about. That's it. It was just like something new and fresh mm. because, you know, like some of the games you mentioned there, for me, Call of Duty was a big one, you know, Call of Duty yep. Modern Warfare. So going back to that when the couldn't remaster you came Warzone. out, you couldn't get me off Warzone especially, <laughs> but going to that when the actually remaster of the original Modern mm. Warfare came out, you know, I was reliving my childhood through then. But like you said, it is different when it's something that exists when you're not there. It mm -hmm. changes when you're not there. So you go back to it and it's kind of bittersweet. You remember the streets, but mm. the streets are slightly different. You know, like the like I said, the radio is kind of slightly <laughs> different. It has grown without you and you have been off doing your own growing on your own without the game. So to come back and meet you up, it's kind of strange. But yeah, I had this, had this feeling driving down the streets of GTA 5 Online, like this will end at some point. Like right, GTA right. Online, this version of Anywhere will definitively come to a close at some point, whether mm. that's with the release of GTA 6 or sometime in the future. And I was just thinking about how great it was to have this time capsule for now that continues to exist. You know, I started university. The first week of my university life was when GTA 5 came out. Oh. And now I'm here nine years later, you know, years and years into this job and how much has changed through then. How many different friends have I been on GTA 5 with who I might not even talk to anymore right, right. have that memory? It was just... It was, it was crazy, and I do think it is that kind of extra level of depth compared to your, uh, you know, your Sonics or oh, Modern totally, Warfare yeah, and totally. stuff, uh, which obviously <laughs> still have a lot of personal uh, connection with. But this was, yeah, like I said, this, this added layer that I didn't even know was possible mm. until I went back to it three years detached. No, no, like, the... Whoa, um, whoa, holy hell. No, totally. The thing that I was describing was like, it was genuine, like, um, where was I in the moment? Where was I yes. the first time I played this? But th there's something else, like you said, about like live service stuff or just live multiplayer games. Like I, um, on the Master Chief Collection, like in 2014, going back to those Halo 2 maps and being like, man, it's been like 12 years since I, you know, went on whatever that one is with the big propeller in the middle of it. I feel it's Stronghold or something. the names, yeah. Whatever that was called. And having that 
that similar sort of thing. But yeah, like I, that's a whole sort of um, realm of gaming that needs to be fleshed out more. That live service stuff can be something more than just an abusive money hoover. True, that you, you actually get something out of. It's funny because there's probably MMO fans, like World of Warcraft fans, listening to this, going, "You idiot! <laughs> we figured this out 20 years ago, but I didn't play those games. I'm having this epiphany for the first time." All those Matrix Online players who went through, uh, to be fair, one of the funniest, most hard, weirdly hard, whatever it is, emo- insert emotion here videos. Um, it's when they turned the Matrix Online servers off because everyone gathered on the same rooftop as the uh, as the buildings were being deleted or whatever. And they're all just like standing there going like, well, we'll never see each other again. And then some guys like screaming in the corner as they all get disconnected at once. <laughs> it's like, that was the end of an MMO. But um, yeah, what did you think of the actual gameplay stuff? Did it hold up? Because I guess it is still a 2013 game. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back and play the story, I mm. think, because I've not played that in even longer, uh, longer amount of time mm-hmm. since I uh, last hopped on online. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it held up. It looks good. It, like it, it, I like what they've added to this PS5 version. You know, obviously mm. the HDR is very nice. Shiny the, cars. The, the shinier cars, the, uh, the the better frame rate and all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's GTA 5. Like it'll continue <laughs> to live and be relevant. And I think that mechanically it holds up quite well for a game that came out on the Xbox 360. It is ludicrous that you Ridiculous. could have played that game on PS3 and then still play it on PS5 now. Um, speaking of revisiting stuff, um, I, I'm still in a Batman bubble. I, there's nothing else going on, so I'm just playing Batman stuff. I'm building the Lego Tumblr. Yes. I've, uh, I'm, I'm loving the Batman stuff. So I have played through all of Arkham Origins. I've played through all of Arkham Asylum. I'm now on Arkham City. Um, and speaking of revisiting stuff, um, I didn't like Arkham City at the time, and I think there's a whole conversation in the Arkham uh, fan base around whether Asylum is better than City because Asylum is so much more focused. And I feel like now directly comparing the two, um, it's interesting because I see both sides and I think that I'm less reactionary as I was because that was back when I was a student uh, discovering Arkham City. And the thing with Arkham City, I see the criticism and it's not that I don't agree with my older self. Like Arkham City is if you took Asylum and then just detonated it or if it was a plate and you dropped it and it was <laughs> fractured and it's like that's all these focused parts of this uh, game spread out over an open world. And if you want to have the more, um, if you want to have, have a continuation of Asylum, you need to find those locations and do those levels, but the in-between is not as engaging. And I largely stand by that. It's just that in this current Arkham, sorry, this current Batman bubble that I'm in, I'm loving just being Batman and Gotham. And I think divorced from that art direction, obviously when um, when 2012 happened, and uh, obviously Arkham City and then Arkham Origins and Arkham Knight, like you can argue that it was oversaturated with the uh, the way the Arkham art direction came across. But it's been seven years since Arkham Knight, and like Gotham Knights isn't really wowing anyone, at least it didn't me, didn't for me. And so when I went back to these Arkham games, I was like, I've missed this. I've missed this sort of really like decrepit, um, neon-soaked version of Gotham with a humongous moon. Yes, like the, the moon is like another, another, like another planet coming in. <laughs> uh, ridiculous. I've missed that stuff. Is it the asylum or is it the city box art where the moon is behind him and it's the biggest moon? In I the think that's Arkham world. Asylum because Arkham City's box art is the worst box art of all time. Is that like the the one with white... all the quotes on it? Oh yeah, yeah that's the game of the game of the year, unmissable, <laughs> whatever, terrible. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying what City sort of brought to the table, even though I I get why people would recommend, would recommend Asylum as this tight thing. Yeah. Um, but that's what we should talk about, though, because I feel like, um, obviously, the Arkham games have been talked to death. It's a very um, storied franchise and everything. Where did you come down on the Asylum versus City debate? For the longest time, Scott Tilford, Arkham City was my favorite game of all time. Right. Like, I loved that thing when it came out. I mm. have never been... You know when you talk about Halo 3 and being yes. buzzing for that launch? For me, it was Arkham City. Right. I remember the Joker announcing it in that weird <laughs> way where he's got like the script. I remember following the development. I was so hyped for this game and it 
somehow didn't disappoint me mm. personally. I liked what they expanded from Asylum. I liked the way they blew it out to a bigger open world. Mm. I liked the added mobility of Batman himself. Mm. I liked the added characters you could play as. I just thought it came together. However, in the years since then, I have come to appreciate Asylum more, right. especially for its weirdness. We had a brief chat about this before we started recording, and mm -hmm. I'm eager to open it up to the floor. Yeah. Because, um, like you said, the version of Gotham in City is incredible. Yeah. But for me, it also started the move away from the weirdness that I liked in Asylum, you know, the more gothic approach to the um, aesthetic and more tellingly, mm. the supernatural kind of approach to the aesthetic. While uh, Asylum was still more grounded, you had a bit more spookiness to it, I thought, you know, okay. especially with um, Amadeus um, Arkham right, you know, okay. and the stuff with him. Mm -hmm. It just felt a little... It wasn't, you know, supernatural in the conventional sense, but it had this horror element to it that yeah. I think that they definitely got away with as the series became more sci-fi and tech-focused, which I never liked just from a pure aesthetic level. So mm. I do appreciate Asylum for being that kind of weird one where you have this weird bat suit and you have the big moon and you have all of this <laughs> stuff, you know? And City still retains some of that for me, but... I, I, thought, I thought Asylum was full on with it. Oh, see, it, it's funny, right? One of the things that I realized going through Asylum is that, one, it's incredibly short. Like, yeah. in my head, when I played through that in 2009, obviously, I was a much younger man. I thought, I mean, maybe it's just because I stretched it out over a few months. I did get all the Riddler trophies and everything else. But I thought that game was like a 15 to 20 hour game. It's not. It's like six, if yeah. not less. Um, and you can really burn through it. Like, the only thing that really elongates it is if you want to do the Riddler stuff, um, which I would obviously recommend. Those Riddler challenges are, are fun enough. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting what you said there about, like, the, the horror side of it, because it's for me, that didn't really come through that much. There is the whole, there is the tale of Amadeus Arkham, the, the founder of Arkham, that you can scan in a bunch of like collectibles and get the story of him. And you can find all the interview tapes yeah. um, of uh, the various inmates of Arkham being interviewed and everything. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. 
Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, which, uh, yeah, it's just the thing that I that I would sort of just like add to that is just a general level of atmospheric, um, like, you know, you're sort of isolated. Like, it is almost a horror setup. Like, Batman is struggling to survive, which is why I love, and I still think it's one of the best scenes in gaming history, the reveal of the Batcave. Yes. Um, when he just literally just, or he just says, I need to analyze some uh, samples to find uh, Joker or whatever it is. Um, I'm just going to do it at the Batcave. And then Oracle's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I've got one under the island. So um, you never know. I need to be prepared. And I was like, that's so good. Like, you you get it over on us as the audience because we're like, but you're, you're like, you're one of the biggest problems that gaming has is letting the player be a, a human, a, a character that thinks better than them. Like, how do you possibly play Sherlock? Because you, as a player, yeah. are dumber than Sherlock, and it's always those moments. And so, Batman, it was like, oh, I've got a Batcave, and you, as the audience, were like, oh my god, as Oracle is like, that's insane. And then Batman's just like, nah, it's fine, I'm Batman, I've got this, it's good, and just figures it all out, and just he's one step ahead of you, even though you're playing as him. And I think that they they work, they walk that line so perfectly, especially with the combat. Um, but yeah, the Asylum thing for me, like it is this, it almost feels like a side story in the grand like string of Arkham titles, um, especially if you factor in Origins, because it's like, well, canon-wise, you now had this big title, this big open space that became a little side story where he got trapped on Arkham Asylum, which then became back out to being the city stuff again, and there was a Batmobile. So like, it's interesting being recontextualized in that way. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed my time with it, but I found myself just kind of like loving how expansive Arkham City feels, yeah, I guess I the thing agree. that you would love about it as well. Um, but there is open world stuff trickling in like go find the five canisters with Bane and go do all the, the random crimes and do the oh my god I'll stop talking but the the aerial um, grapnel upgrade stuff yeah where you've got to like swing and dive and fly through no 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 oh why have I just Scott. the first one's alright but the advanced one where you've got to dip through that really tiny little tunnel oh. to get like an upgrade no oh, I used to love that man no. it's been a long time since I've gone back to City to do that stuff immediately because mm. I played it to death when it first came out <laughs> played that we played that game so many times, mm -hmm. but I used to love the mobility of Batman, you know, being able to dip and dive and duck and dodge. Oh, no, I do, as a, as a statement, yes. Okay. But asking me to go through specific rings and duck in a very specific way. I hated it in the Rachel Ghoul fight, <gasps> way, uh, that bit, which I knew would be the thing you loved the most. <laughs> I think young me didn't bother with the Wayne Tech upgrades that much. I got the first grapnel upgrade. I didn't do the other ones. And then, because um, I remember having to really get used to the dip and dive thing when I was doing the Rage fight. Um, and, like, obviously, that's a fundamental mechanic that they really layer on in Arkham night which retroactively it is in there in city it's just yeah. that you need to unlock more of it so like that side of it is interesting um but yeah it's just it's weird in terms of storytelling as well because um if you take all of it as one big timeline um holly holly quinn's character barely makes any sense because at the end of origins she's still holly quinzel she's still Holleen quinzel um she's not like full absolute maniac that she is in asylum and then um there's some 
lines of dialogue in this that have aged horribly. There's like oh, a, absolutely. There's a joke that Joker makes about um, the fact that you've uh, defeated Harley Quinn in a boss fight, and he's like, oh, slapping her around. That's my job. But I'm like, all right, Joker, mate. Like we just we just, just sidestepped that back in 2009. <laughs> but like, okay. And um, but yeah, overall, I think I would recommend going back to the Arkham series. I think that if you take them as one big canonized thing, yeah. As much as Rocksteady have discarded Arkham Origins, it does work overall. Um, Batman in Arkham Origins discovering a heart and realizing he, he can't do this by himself is very good and obviously plays off how things end up in City um, and then eventually Night and whatever. So I would still recommend it. But uh, yeah. you going to replay Night? Oh, hell yeah. I've got them all downloaded. Excellent. Um, I rebought the Return to Arkham stuff, um, which has all the DLC and everything. So I'm going to rinse City um, and I'll see, I guess I'll see how Arkham out I am after that. But I'm just, I'm just loving the Batman. The thing that I love about um, City and especially Night, to mm. be fair, while you do have the open world fluff of, you know, take out these towers, you know, do five things, it does have some really great nuggets of open world content in there that you just stumble across. Mm. I, like, I remember the first time, you know, you stumble across your first crime scene right. in City or whatever, or you're on the hunt for a serial killer and stuff. Or Zaz like, gives you a ring. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's all, when you get Man Bat, of course, in, in Night, you know, in night, you yeah. get that uh, big, big scare. Mm-hmm. Like all those... All those little threads are threaded so well into that world <laughs> that it just, it feels natural. And I'm like, I want that to return in some way. I loved those surprises because if there's anything that that franchise got right for me, it was the sense of discovery. It was the sense yeah. of surprise that you didn't know how the world was going to change or what was going to be around any cor- any corner. Mm-hmm. And I just thought Rocksteady did such a good job with that construction. Yeah, one of the th- one of the, the hands that they play, which didn't work for me back in 2012, was the way that they put Hush in the game. And it's yeah. like some of the discoverability stuff like you said there's no way to find that like unless you stumble upon it and I remember having that realization back in 2012 I said maybe it's 2011 for this game whatever it was early 2010s yeah and um and I remember hating that because I was like I love Hush as a character Hush the the Batman book is like, one of my favorite stories and like I love how twisted that character is like give me dark twisted Gotham any day of the week and so I remember just being very gutted and annoyed that I couldn't find my favorite character in the game I was just right. like he's somewhere in this space and I can't just walk every single street until I find him like that's not what I'm gonna do give me some way to do this um, but I understand that the hand that they played was that if you happen to stumble upon him that was one of the most rewarding parts of that game absolutely the closest thing that it reminds me of that's come out recently was you know in Red Dead Redemption 2 when you stumbled across the uh, like the serial killer who had like yeah. strung people up and there was or like the limbs vampire. yeah or the vampire or whatever I remember being in Red Dead 2 and kind of seeing like a blood trail and being like what is this and following it and getting onto this quest mm-hmm. it was the same with Arkham for me so when I did you know discover that this was a hush story I was thinking right. bloody hell who is hush <laughs> But then after I figured out who Hush was and read the comics, I was like, this is awesome. This is really good. <laughs> that is a very, yeah, that is a very specific hand for them to play that. That I guess, like you said, in uh, Night, they just throw the man part reveal right in your face. Like, yeah. make sure you get this. Um, but yeah, overall as well, and this is just overthinking AF, but Arkham City as a prospect, as a concept, makes no sense. Oh, no. Not at all. No. Like, I mean, I, this time around in Arkham Asylum, I knew about the hidden wall to go find Warden Sharp's plans for extending Arkham Asylum into part of Gotham, um, which I get is the political rally at the start of Arkham City with Bruce Wayne himself going like this is ridiculous all the murderers are just right there but then we cut to Hugo Strange having um, kidnapped Bruce and we don't really connect those, that tissue of how that all got approved or whatever yeah. in the first place doesn't make any sense no. and I will also say uh, in my opinion mm-hmm. all time worst Bruce Wayne design I hate that oh, the we- he looks like a weird sort of like Neanderthal man he like, he's does. very like, like squared off yeah, I don't, like a Minecraft man I, I, don't, I don't trust that man he doesn't <laughs> even look like the guy under the suit and I'm like who is this dude he's I remember guy. thinking uh, it's in Arkham Knight when he's, uh, he gets all solemn 
towards the end of that game and he's taking the mask off. And I was yeah. like, who are you? Like, yeah. like, like, are we an ape man? Like, planet of the Bruces at this stage. But, like, yeah, I know what you mean. I think um, they could do a lot better in I terms of uh, like max- maximizing the chin as opposed yeah. to making him look like a squared off man. But you also played um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, um, which, well, I, I think you played a little bit of it. I did. I did. A little bit of it. Because Arkham, uh, sorry, Arkham, Jedi Fallen Survivor? That's Jedi right. Survivor? Jedi Survivor. Jedi Survivor. The sequel to Jedi Fallen Order got announced um, at Star Wars Celebration. So I think, is that, was that your main catalyst? It was, my friend. Unsurprisingly, had a big Star Wars weekend. Mm. Even went to a food event called Slice Wars, where <laughs> people had um, Star Wars-themed pizza That's very on good. sale. I got some good ones. I can't remember any of the pun titles. I'm really disappointed. I did see Battersea Power Station uh, fired up its old um, chimneys to be red and blue. What was be, this? Uh, Who did that? Battersea Power Station. Battersea? Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nowhere near us, but I saw <laughs> I a picture thinking, of it. I was thinking that. That's like in London, right? Uh, assumedly, there was a... Uh, I probably know where it is, but it's Battersea Power Station. There was a. Um, there was some Jedi hilts, lightsaber hilts, oh, cool. on, uh, projected onto each um, like chimney, and then they blew, one of them was blue and one of them was red coming out the top. Well, there we go. It was yeah. a very Star Wars heavy day. Obviously, yeah. Obi-Wan came out, the celebration, like you said. Uh-huh. Uh, I watched Obi-Wan, so I was like, I'm in a Star Wars mood. Is it good? I, well, it was all, it's all right. That's good. Yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. good. It's good for what it is. <laughs> I'm excited to watch more. Maybe that's all it needs to be. I don't know. Maybe that's all it needs to be. Uh, But yeah, I wanted to go back to Fallen Order anyway Mm -hmm. because it has a very Dark Souls-inspired combat. Mm. And like, you know, I've been on a From Software binge for this year. So the planets... you were free of it. I I thought so too, my friend. But now I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order. So the planets aligned, playing the PS5 version. And man, I forgot how good this game starts. I remember being surprised and shocked about it back when it first came out. And I do think the way this game kicks off, like I want to put it in every list ever. I think it just makes such a good first impression really? with the first level in the story hook. I was just it just goes, man. Like mm. it slows down a little bit after that, but the first level, the way you're introduced to Cal, I think is like up there with Dead Space 2. Okay, that's fair. I like, I like the music that's in there. I forget the name. I think the band's called The Who. Like they're the ones that they start getting in to do. The, they're the band that plays when you go to the arena later on. Ah, yes. Um, and they're also in the Obi Wan trailer and stuff. I'm assuming that they must just be in a lot of Star Wars uh, movie or TV stuff now because um, they're sort of just become the band of uh, Tatooine or wherever it is. Um, but yeah, I like the thing that Respawn do in a lot of their games where they change the world behind you without you realizing, yeah. and then you turn around and you're somewhere else. And they do that a couple of times in the intro where he's uh, Cal's remembering his, his training or remembering um, his teacher and everything thing and um yeah i did i thought the opening was like kind of cool like the the scene setting of it it obviously looks gorgeous especially on the ps5 version or the next gen version um but it's weird jedi fallen order for me overall i didn't think hit its stride till right near the end when they give you enough powers to actually have fun with it and mm. i get it's because it's an origin story um and cal's getting used to everything but there was a there's a run at the end where you storm that final base and you're like you have all the power so you're like grabbing a stormtrooper throwing another one impaling another guy with your lightsaber and it just works and i get that that's the payoff um but that final run is what where I was like, man, I wish this was the rest of the game. I right. wish there was like a new game plus, which maybe there is now, but I don't think there was. There is, but you don't retain the skills. Right, okay. Like, I guess it would break everything because yeah. some of them are like traversal and stuff. But yeah, I'm hoping that that's what they do with Survivor. They just take where you were, ended off, and then go from there. Because the trailer shows who looks to be a new character. Yes. Um, looking very Dragon Ball. Very, very big, Dragon very big Ball. hair. Dragon Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. What I want. I, which, which I dig, my friend. And I know <laughs> you certainly dig, but yeah, I want them to just... It immediately pick up with the power set that you mm. had here. I don't want a God of War gimmick where you lose your powers or whatever no. and you have to get reset. Like, just let us play with that um, set of mechanics that mm-hmm. you perfected because this combat system to me is so satisfying. Like, the controls can be a little clunky. Yeah. But like you said, when it works, it is so tactile mm. and so cool to just, like, deflect 
pa- back these um, blaster shots and stuff, or to chain these different force moves into combos that just slice through people. Like when it when it is in the flow, it is awesome. It's just that that flow sometimes breaks. Yeah. I think a little bit. I think it's a really good eight out of ten game. And right. I hope the sequel like pushes that <laughs> up to like nine. Yeah. That's funnily enough. I'm just remembering because when you said the intro bit, I was thinking of the mining planet stuff. Oh and, yeah. Like, when you're on the, the train and everything, uh, or the or the, the the mining train. But there is that whole train sequence where like the you know you're like killing stormtroopers jumping between carriages. That's when it really takes off, I guess, and they show off a lot more of what they've made. It's like straight out of Uncharted or yeah, something. Like, yeah. It is so visually um, interesting. Like The lighting, especially in the PS5 version, is so dynamic. In the rain as well. Yeah, in the rain. Give in... me lightsabers in the rain oh, it's so all good. the time. The way Whoever decided to use the lightsaber <laughs> as an actual light source in yep. this game deserves a raise. I wish I thought of that. <laughs> I would have been satisfied for my entire life because it's such a cool um, utility to use this, uh, like it, a cool way to use this weapon. Mm. as a utility mm-hmm. and I think that's neat I just think lightsabers are neat <laughs> the lightsabers are neat I think that um, yeah like lightsabers in the rain fighting dudes on top of a train whilst if you stand still you can hear the pitter patter of the rain fizzle off the lightsaber I was I'm like this s- is sick so annoyed you didn't rhyme that second couplet there what could I have the first one rhymes and I was like you're about to drop the best rap bar <laughs> I've ever heard on a if podcast. If my memory wasn't the uh, mental age of an 80-year-old man, I re- would remember the past sentence that I said. <laughs> but I can't remember it, so I'm going to move on. Um, we should end on the string of adaptations that Sony have announced. Um, two TV shows, one movie. Um, Horizon's getting a TV show. God of War's getting a TV show. And Gran Turismo's getting a movie, with Neil Blomkamp, no less, in talks to uh, direct. Neil Blomkamp being uh, of Elysium fame, of District 9 fame, um, of uh, the other thing he did that was horrendous. Chappie. 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 The, the worst one I've ever seen. One of the worst, not Doctor Strange, but one of the worst <laughs> that I've ever seen. And um, yeah, what do you think of this stuff? Because I think we're split on which parts of this we're excited about. I think we are, because I think <laughs> that Gran Turismo project sounds like the most unhinged thing in the entire world. Like getting <laughs> Neil Blomkamp, <laughs> especially to, to direct it. Like <sighs> I, I had to check that it wasn't one of those fake um, film news <laughs> Uh, Twitter accounts yeah. the weekend tweeting that out. I was like, this can't be real. And it was real. The thing is, I am only excited for the uh, Gran Turismo movie because <laughs> that's the only one that can do something new. Like, we've never had a story mode in a Gran Turismo. We've never had narrativized Gran Turismo. And I don't think there are that many elements of Gran Turismo to narrativize. But I will take a some sort of story around racers who then go and do a cool high-stakes you know, around the Laguna Seca track race. I I mean, listen, it <laughs> might work, but I remember Aaron Paul's Need for Speed, which which didn't work. But see, also Fast and the Furious. But 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 he's the thing. Go Fast on. and the Furious, great, mad fun. Uh-huh. That's like the antithesis of Gran Turismo, which is like your grandfather's tea room game. Do you know what was brilliant? Um, Ford versus Ferrari. That was brilliant. That's that's that how you brilliant. do it. Yeah, if you do like that or like yeah. rush something, you know, get yeah. some. Well, I know it's not as yeah. good as Ford versus Ferrari, but I'm on that. Way There's like, ways you know. to do a driving. The thing, my my core thing is same thing. I have the Last of Us. I'm like Carl Pilkington. I look at it and I go, Do I need that? Do I need mm-hmm. it? Do we need it? Like, do we need a Horizon TV show? The CG is going to be terrible. I don't believe that they'll nail it at all. Halo looks horrendous. Yeah. Like, there's no way that they get this right. You know, I'm always way more positive than you when it comes you to any of these in live life. action. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's true. You're way more positive than I am. You're always we trade. Me up. We trade day we by trade. day. Uh, yeah, but so I mean, you're fully right. You can look at it and go, Why do I need this when the the original has such good storytelling, mm. has such good uh, presentation, direction, all of that mm-hmm. jazz. But to me, I'm like, why not? Well, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll see what they do. If they do something interesting, cool. If they do something uninteresting, it doesn't take anything away. No, I, I just, I don't know. I look at these, anything you're adapting that has a cinematic um, footprint, 
I don't see the point of if it's and and that's we've talked about this before. But like my whole thing about like video games can be the mecca of everything, whether it's architecture, script writing, cinematography, whatever. You can do all those things in game form all in one. So why would you pick one element of that and do a worse version of the original whole? Like that's always going to be my thought. And so like you're always and everyone's just going to be like the, whoever gets cast. Oh, it's not as good as Ashley Birch. Like it's just going to be that. And like the CG, you're not going to nail it. It's not going to look natural unless you build all the robots, which I doubt you will. You're not going to build a big old T-Rex that's as big as it needs to be. I just it's got a big uphill battle. And God of War, how the hell do you cast Kratos? That is true. I have no unless you get Triple H, who already no, looks we're like we're not him. getting Triple H. Get, we're not getting Triple H, man. We're not getting Triple H, right? <laughs> For every every single thing you bring up, we're not getting. <laughs> Triple H. <laughs> you can have whatever else you want, but we're not getting Triple H. We're Triple H. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how the hell you cast um, Kratos because assumedly you would get a Greek actor, but like obviously his origin story is so messed up anyway. Unless you, unless you literally do have the ashes of his dead family, which is why he's like a white guy. I, well, I don't know. This is literally the thing. I have no idea no. what they're going to do with any of these adaptations, <laughs> which is kind of why I'm excited. I don't know what they're going to do with Horizon. Do mm. they just follow the game story with Aloy? I have no idea what they're going to do with Gran Turismo. Do they invent? Some kind of story? Do they take it away from its cozy origins? And again, God of War, which game do you follow? Presumably the 2018 version, mm. but how the hell do you... It'll be that. It'll be the sad dad one. Yeah. yeah. yeah, but yeah. Then how the hell do you film that? How mm. the hell do you adapt that into a story that is satisfying as a kind of a movie or whatever? Well, I feel like it's it's really interesting because I, as an overall approach to a mythos, I like what Uncharted did and I like what Halo did. I'm not saying the execution was very good, right. but I like the idea of taking elements of a mythos and ostensibly, I think I've said this to you, maybe on a podcast... Um, as well, but take those elements and just spread them out metaphorically across a table and then pick whatever you want to link to whatever else you want. If it still feels like that franchise or you're having fun with it, then it can work. And Halo and Uncharted had that from the beginning, but obviously Halo's results were all over the place. Um, Uncharted, I thought, did it quite well. Like, all of a sudden, this person isn't this person's brother or whatever it is, and that can still be interesting. And maybe that's what they do with Horizon and God of War. I think that with Horizon, they'll make it a mystery show, um, same as they did. They kind of forced Halo to be a mystery show where no one knows what a Halo is. Right. And if that's the whole thing with, with that show is, is trying to figure out what a halo is um, and I think they'll do that in Horizon it'll be like what are the mysteries of this world and, and why are we all like this and whatever and they'll mimic the first game I would assume God of War I guess you do the sad dad stuff you cast Atreus you cast Kratos and just do their bonding thing that's the arc yeah. Grand, but, th- but we've seen it so like for Gran Turismo the fact that they have to pull from just a bunch of cars is immediately more interesting because I'm more curious as to what the hell that is see this is the wind up because you're talking <laughs> Um, you're making very valid points, but you're talking to someone who's like most anticipated show for the past ten years yes. is the Last of Us HBO show I know that's it coming is. out next year. So it's like I'm the whatever you just said. <laughs> imagine I said the exact opposite of it because that's what I'm looking forward to. I to wish I these had things. whatever it is in me that could get excited for the passive entertainment version of the active medium. Right. Like that's the thing because I'm just like I'm have to just sit and watch the thing that I would love to play. Like you said with um, Sniper Elite, it just made you want to play Siphon Filter, right. and there was something else that we talked about that just made you want to play something. And that's always my thing. That's why I'm playing so much Batman stuff because I listen to Batman Unburied. Sonic as well. I'll watch the passive thing and I'll play the active thing. Like right. active trumps passive in every possible way, at least for me. Yeah. So that's always going to be the core thing. Yeah, totally. I guess when I just get in one of these moods, I'm in a mood right now with mm. Star Wars. I'm in a mood right now with zombies again because I'm right, reading a right. book on how Shaun of the Dead was made. So when I'm in one of those moods, I want everything around it. I'm <laughs> greedy and I'm, I'm insatiable. So I want the TV version. I want the movie version. I want the game version. It's very fair. And that's obviously more sane than the madness that is me watching a movie with a guitar in my hands. I can't, <laughs> I can't not do something with my hands. We talked about this in the office the other day about how I can't just watch something. The only time that I'll sit and watch something is in the cinema. And right. even then I'm scratching around with aero 
pockets, Maltesers, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, because um, you can just, just watch a movie like a human, like uh, most people do. I, I get the fidgety thing, but yeah. I just, I think, you know, it's obviously fine to, you know, do whatever you want during watching a movie, <laughs> but you busting out like a Metallica riff while you're trying to listen to like It's Mad not plugged Men, in. You know what I mean? It's not plugged in. I, I don't know what that, it makes noise though, surely a still. Bit, a little bit of the twangs. I, I, if, if I lived with you and you were playing the guitar, <laughs> well, I was trying okay. to watch Better Call Saul. I wouldn't, yeah. oh God, I wouldn't do it during Better Call Saul and I wouldn't do it during, if anyone else was in the room with me. Okay, uh, that's but fair. if that's it's fair. just if it's just me watching stuff, if it's if it's just my personal thing of passive versus active, I will make the passive an active thing <laughs> by putting something in the old hands. I like that. So I like I'm not just lot. watching it. Um, but yeah, Christ knows when these things are going to be coming out. Uh, they've all just been announced um, by Sony, but we'll have to wait and see. It's a, a final note yes. before you wrap up. I do think it's interesting that they're giving them to a bunch of different studios rather mm. than putting all of their eggs in one basket. Mm. Like I know one is uh, being made by Netflix. Yes. One's an Amazon Prime thing. One is presumably I think Horizon is Netflix. God of War's Prime. There we go. And Gran Turismo is a movie by their own studio. Yeah, absolutely. Which is which is quite a cool way to do it. It's like they're not betting at all on Netflix and then <laughs> having that fall apart. It's like, right, we're going to, hopefully, this is how they're doing it. I don't know. Maybe this is just me projecting, but hopefully they're like, let's shop this around and the best pitch wins. Like the best person for the job gets oh, these yeah. um, characters. No, this is by it. far the best way to do it. I mean, Netflix have a signature style. Like they have a very specific like amount of, of literal lenses they give creators all color grading or whatever it is. And then Amazon have started to sort of differentiate. Apple TV started to differentiate, but like they still have certain signature looks. So it's, it's quite interesting in that regard being like, let's take what is a PlayStation look or a certain color palette or whatever, and then give it to these signature studios um, or, or um, studio, like, you know, what the hell's the word for the collection of studios that Netflix operates? Um, a workhouse of production things. Company. Production company. That's the term that I wanted. Um, giving it to them and going, how do you guys reinterpret this? Are you going to recolor grade all the Horizon stuff so that, like, I don't know, to make Aloy's hair pop or whatever the hell you do um, with that stuff? Um, that note, though, who do you think you're going to cast as Aloy? Um, that's a great gut, uh, My gut feeling is literally um, Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones. And I know that's because um, she also stated in an interview that she cited Aloy as like someone that she was inspired by or something. Right. Um, and so I know that she looks a hell of a lot like Aloy. And yeah. she's because um, she was one of the... Um, the dudes in Game of Thrones that lived in the north yes. that she's used to wearing that kind of clothing. Maybe that would work. I think that's a great visual comparison. Yes. However, you might not like this. I'd go for Florence Pugh, Scott Tilford. Oh, I adore a, Florence Pugh. With a wig, but I think she's got that kind of, uh, you know, kind oh, of she's like... she's got the fire. She, she's got the fire. She's yeah. got like the fresh-faced fire and yeah. confidence that I think Aloy brings to the table. Yeah. I think it could work. Yeah, give give give, give that IP to Florence Pugh. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I recant my very suggestion. Florence Pugh should absolutely be Aloy. And um, for now, this will be the one. Up. Um, hopefully, whatever I say to wrap this show up, and I've been Scott Taylor joined by Josh Brown. Uh, whatever I say to say goodbye. Uh, always a pleasure, Scott Taylor. Yes, and I it. say always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.